Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp. Available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast. Also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey everyone, how's it going? Christoph Trapp here. Thanks for joining me. Another live stream. Uh, and I think it looks like technology is on my side today. We're live on Twitter, Periscope, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I can't believe it. It's a good day when that happens. And it doesn't happen all the time. A uh, quick shout out. I am, uh, we're all live streaming here with Switcher Studio, if you want to use Switcher uh, Trap, one gets you one month off. Uh, really is a good tool. Um, you, you know, you have your own dashboard in front of you and, and you're, you're bringing in the music. You saw that, I did that earlier. That was the first time I got that to work. Um, so um, good, good on me, I guess. No, but seriously, it's not that difficult to use, but um, you know, it, it is a good tool to produce your podcast. See, now I got a live graphic. Anyway, I'm showing off all the different new things I have learned here. But today, I want to talk about content migration. So what's interesting to me, guys, is I'm a content creator. I'm not a content updater. I'm not a content migrator. I'm not anything else. I want to create content. And what's hard for people like me to remember is that it's not always about update it's not always about creating new creating creating and creating creating and so of course we talked about optimization before sometimes you just got to update old content that's already performing why are you making it so difficult uh it doesn't have to be that difficult and so when the content tech summit happened um, i was supposed to be in san diego this year for the content tech summit uh that's part of the content marketing institute if you're watching live, a uh, quick shout out, Content Marketing World is coming up in October. I'm speaking about uh, voice search. Um, already have my PowerPoint down, done a month in advance, so that feels good. I hate PowerPoints, quite frankly, uh, but I got that done. And um, Trap 100 gets you $100 off if you watch the live stream. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, probably too late, honestly, but next year. Um, so the there was only one session that I listened to, maybe two. Actually, there was two sessions. One was with uh, Robert Rose, and I think it was the Hilton. And then the other one was Tim Hansey, um, who talked about content migration. Now, those were good sessions, uh, and you heard me talk about this before. Uh, we had the Iowa Dare Show, I guess how, is how you pronounce it, an inland hurricane come through. So we didn't have internet, we didn't have power, we didn't have anything um, for a long time, and literally... Tim's session was the last session before all that happened. Um, so welcoming on the show today, um, Tim. And Tim is based in the Netherlands, I believe. Tim, how's it going? Uh, I'm very good. Thank you. Um, thank you for having me, first of all. Thanks. And, and I'm just hearing now that you, you enjoyed my session. So I guess uh, thank you for that as well. You bet. And I love the setup, guys. If you, if anybody uh, has a podcast or you interview people, um, I every once in a while take people's pitches when they send me a pitch and they say, hey, can I come on the show? But really how I love finding guests is I stumble across them. So Tim's session uh, was, was fantastic on many, many levels. And there was actually another 
uh, podcast episode we have coming out of that one is because he used the new system. And I don't think you used that, Tim. I think they did it behind the scenes. But you could click ahead to different sections. So if you talked about something and I'm like, I already know that, you could click ahead. So I thought that setup by Content Marketing Institute was fantastic. But let's talk about content migration. Otherwise, I'll just keep talking about whatever comes to my mind. Uh, so why does content marketing, uh, content migration matter? What is it? And, uh, you know, why do you feel passionate about it? Well, let's, let's start with, uh, with the first question. Why does it matter? Um, basically, it, it's, it's what, what, what we see on the market right now is a techn technological enhancement of content marketing, of content management. We've got these new technologies um, updating our work field almost every quarter, maybe even every month. And um, we need to keep up with that. So you've got a lot of technical parties, development parties, uh, conferences about technology. But what they never mention is that you already have created something as a company. You, you just described yourself. You, you love creating content, writing content, bringing it out there, publishing it. But you don't want to lose that set of uh, data that part of your history and you need to move it towards a new platform once in a while and you need to do it in a way that you don't lose any time uh, any money in your daily business or any points you collect on, on the google ranking uh, for example so in, in that case a, a good migration is very important um, i'm very passionate about it because uh, when i started working as a content manager with a specialization in, in content migrations. Uh, for me, it was a temporary job, I thought back then. It's almost 10 years ago um, because I just finished uh, uh, studying archaeology. And, and I discovered that uh, a content migration is basically a digital archaeology setup. So I was using the same kind of techniques that I learned at the university, but I was doing it digitally. And all the other parts around content marketing, brand identity, storytelling, I had to learn myself and so well it was quite a trip for me to start from being a student and going straight into content migrations it, it just happened and of course we stumble into things we're doing i mean it's that's a pretty common thing i hear and i even done that myself i mean i stumbled into content marketing after working in journalism Right. So uh, and then you like it and it works and um, there you go. Now you're in it. Um, so when I hear content migration, a lot of times what I hear is I'm like I'm replatforming my website. Right. I'm moving from WordPress to Sitecore or Aqua to whatever Drupal or whatever it might be. Is that usually what is that kind of the use case you're using or, or and if it's not, what, what is it? Well, there, um, there are two ways to look at it. You're not wrong. It's exactly the main part is we're buying new software. We're buying a new platform. We need to move and migrate content from one platform to the other one. But sometimes it has to do something with rebranding or uh, re-editing your content or even uh, re... re uh, I'm looking for the English word. I'm sorry. Um, placing it in a different folder, restructuring your content on the back end of your web, uh, web CMS. So it's, it's not just about new software, it's, it's a big part, but it's also about restructuring your, your content into maybe even your DAM system or in, within your current uh, software. It's a very broad perspective. And 
Um, I think that we should focus on, on the web content uh, because if we con uh, uh, because if we focus on every content in, in in an organization, this would be a very broad discussion about techniques and strategies, and, because that's that's a lot of content. So very interesting. So you think of content migration as well uh, in the in the context of you have a site. How do you optimize it? How do you optimize? Uh, how do you update it? How do you migrate it from wherever it currently sits to wherever it can drive the biggest impact, even if you're not replatforming? I mean, is that that's kind of correct? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's that's one of the main main things that we have to explain to, to our customers. I, I work for an agency and mm -hmm. we work for a lot of corporate companies in the Netherlands and beyond. So uh, we have to explain that it's not just about the front end that the customer experience. I mean, we, we as, as, a, as a group of people within content marketing, we went through digital transformation and we're still going through that phase. And people sometimes still see the website as being their online store but without the registry because you have to go to the local store and thereby buy your products there. And there still seems to be some focus on that point of view within management within those companies. And it's it's not a wrong uh, point of view, but you need to imagine that your content in, over time, if you keep developing it, if you keep writing it, forms a chaos on the back end of your system. And you need to structure it or restructure it and focus on what can be repurposed for another target or for another channel. Um, so I think those are more important migration setups than just moving it from one platform to the other. Yeah, and you know the example that comes to my mind, and, and I'll you know not picking on anybody here or anybody specifically, but if you are writing, uh, if you have a blog, and I run into this too, and and you write about the same things over and over, right? Uh, at some point, those things uh, compete with each other. So, for example, if I already have. 10 articles on content migration, and they're all relatively similar, at some point they'll, uh, they're competing, right? I mean, in search, Google doesn't know, what, what the heck are you guys doing over there? Um, they're all the same thing, basically. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, where that comes in as well. You have to think about how do you migrate it together and how do you uh, keep things uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the best possible way? Yeah. Um, it's also about creating a new way of working within a company. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, a couple of years ago, I worked for a, a large locally known company. I'm not going to name them, um, but uh, we were doing an audit on the content and I found in their database uh, 48 images of an ambulance, um, which all had a different name. And they were all placed on different channels, on different pages. And, and nobody knew there were 48 images that were exactly the same um, on, on, in their system and they wanted to migrate every image and I told them well let's do an audit let's revisit every image because I just from this image alone I found 48 examples and there were a couple of other images that were being reused or not being reused to be honest uh, or were being doubled every time somebody created a new page and needed an image they would take it from the external database of imagery and just took the ambulance, for example, placed it on their page or on their post or in the email and didn't look into the system to see if the ambulance was there. So then you're, you're touching content governance in that point. You're touching the processes of your workflow of content creation. We're no longer talking about content migration there. We're just, we're, we're walking right into the daily business of content. So how... You know, there's studies out there. I saw them already. I don't, I don't have the link top of my head, honestly, right this second. But 
everybody wants to create more content, more content, more content. But by the way, we're not increasing our budget. And here's the reality, guys. I'm going to get on my own soapbox here for a second. If you get what you pay for, right? So if you go into Fiverr and you think you're going to get a good article for five bucks, good luck. You're not, it's not going to happen. Uh, if you just have somebody rewrite what's already uh, ranking in Google, you're not going to rank for it. You've got to come up with unique content. Um, but certainly you have the people out there, Tim, who are literally saying, we got to create, we got to get, got to create, we got to do this. We don't have time to focus on other stuff. Let's step back for a second. And what do we tell them? What do we say? Hey, here is um, how you focus. Here's how you do uh, a better content, how you migrate your content better before you just create because it feels better. What's like, how do you walk clients through that? How do you get them on board and, and, and how do they get started? Well, I, I'm not sure if I use this example in, uh, in my presentation on content tech, so I'm not sure if you know what I'm going to say right now, but I always compare a website to a bonsai tree. And if it, a bonsai tree are those little green trees that, you, that everybody just said, oh, immediately Japanese and stuff. But in Japan, you actually can win, uh, you can win prizes with your um, exhibitions with your uh, bonsai trees. And the reason why I mentioned this is, is a bonsai tree by itself, it's a small kind of brush that grows on rock. And if you don't trim it, if you don't manage it, if you, if you don't feed it water or uh, bind certain leaves or, or branches together, you get, a, you get this big shapeless brush and, and it's just another weed in your garden. And a website is exactly the same. You need to find your, uh, sh the shape you want the website to have. You need to shape it. You need to put things together, tie branches, cut away leaves, water it once in a while. Uh, it's, it's a living thing that you need to maintain. And I always tell those people who just want to keep producing, producing, producing. Okay, watch out. You're not creating that brush, that weed that nobody likes and wants to remove from your garden. You want that shape. You want your unique uh, presence online. So you need to look at your content, see what you can reuse. And if it's redundant, please remove it. You can archive it if you want. Uh, so, so keep working on your website. You're never done. Uh, people often think that when they, they hire me for a content migration, that after the migration and the, the go live for, of the new platform or, or when the project is done, it's done, it's set. No, it, you just started. You need to keep working on your content. You need, you can, it's okay if you want to create, but please check what's already there. Please check what you've already written. Please see the value of what you have created. It's like minting coins but just throwing them away and instead of using them. Uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult discussion. And I always use comparisons to, to people who don't understand me, like the bonsai tree, to persuade them to stop creating for a while and start evaluating what they already have. It, but it is a hard discussion, um, certainly. But I'll give you another idea. You know, Even when I talk about content performance, which of course is uh, my latest book, Content Performance, that online, uh, you don't always have to create. And what I like to do is I go back and I look, like if I have a new idea, I go, hey, have I written about this? And I have literally not covered content migration at all on the blog. So this is a new topic, a new article we can publish on there and, and we'll do that. Um, but there's other topics I've written about, right? And or, or pieces of it. So what I do is I look, have I written about this? Um, yes, I have. No, I haven't. And when I have, I look if the article has performed. And if it doesn't show up in like the top 60% of high-performing articles, roughly, it's not an exact science, 
I take the content and I repurpose it and I update it because I'm like, if nobody read it to begin with, what makes me think it's going to change tomorrow, right? Especially if it's like a three-year-old article. It's not going to change. Um, but that's a new mindset. Um, when, you know, when, how do people, how do they start? Like, so if, if, if what's your process? Do you have like a process, a framework that, that people can think about? Or, or, or how does that, um, you know, how do they bring it top of mind? Uh, well, we do. I do have a process. We we kind of use a blueprint for our migrations, and, and the, what we're discussing right now is what we call the preface. And one part of the preface is going to be the content audit. And a content audit, people often tend to look at content for effects uh, for things like: is it performing well? Is it doing what I was expecting it? Is it reaching its goals? We are looking at: is uh, does it does it still have the right tone of voice? Who's who has ownership about this part of the website or? channel um, about this content we start looking at uh, legacy content and by, with most companies you often have content online created by someone or by a team that might no longer exist or move to another company or find another job so you never know what was what was the purpose of this content so you need to create i always start with a simple excel i i, I, I place the url there I, I place the subject of the content there try to find the creator try to find the content owner and, and discuss with them what was the purpose of this page and is it important enough to put into into this project and migrate because um, it sounds very old-fashioned but a content migration is still being done by hand for most part there are certain sections that we can do with an automatic migration by just transferring the database but often during a content migration you also change templates you change designs so you need to well you're you're almost professional copy pasting with fill in by paint by numbers. It's almost like that. You have, this is your color, here are the numbers, fill it. So uh, we're still doing that by hand. And if you want to migrate a page, you have to keep in mind it's being done by hand. A page, a long page might take 40 minutes to create all the components, create all the metadata, make sure it's in the right taxonomy, it's in the, in the correct folder, it can be found by the search engine. So we, you need to prove the value of the content. And it's not just about uh, how many visitors, how many readers, it's also about the purpose. Because um, if, if, for example, the same company I discussed the, the ambulance with, they had a, a, a page about coffee machines and it was their almost their second best visited page. Um, the problem was they didn't sell coffee machines and the, con the content on the page wasn't adding any value to the company. It was a, a, a random text that was once a, a extra page on a campaign and nobody knew why it was created, but it was performing really well, so let's keep it. But it didn't have any value in the grand scheme of things. It, it was a, a, this extra branch of the bonsai tree that nobody tried to cut off because, well, it was so valuable. So you need, you need to look at a purpose of contents and then uh, check your value and, and see if, if it's worth to migrate. So that, I would start by talking about the, the purpose and the message. Go back to the very beginning. What, what are we trying to send? What is our brand identity? What is our message online? What, what do we want to reach? What audience do we want to reach? And is this content up for the task? And they don't even sell coffee machines. Oh, my God. I have heard that. Sim I have not that specific story, but I've heard stories like that so many times. And in my book, uh, Tim, I actually call that the accidental SEO strategy, right? You're just kind of throwing up content and all of a sudden, 
uh, it's working. And you're like, oh my God, why is it working? We wish it would have something to do with what we do here. Um, of course, right? Of course, there are ways to cipher some of that traffic off, right? Link to more relevant things. A coffee machine is kind of a very extreme example. I don't know what you would do there, depending on what the company is. Um, but um, that's why it's so important to do that ahead of time. Um, how do you prove the value of the content? I mean, certainly it does matter, right, that people look at it. Um, you know, we had Tamara Burkett on here. She talked about how 3% of your audience is ready to buy at any given time. So that's 97%, even if they might be interested at some point. They're not interested today, right? So you still, I mean, it still matters that people look at it, right? And, and consume it and engage with it, I assume. Or, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, for, first of all, when somebody argues, well, it has this amount of visitors and this amount of views, I always tell them, well, those are vanity metrics. Please explain to me why that's valuable. Mm -hmm. And when we start with the discussion about purpose of content, then the amount of views doesn't tell anything about uh, the value of the, the, the content or the purpose of the content. So once you have defined the purpose of the content, you can always go into the other discussion. Okay, we don't have that much, much views, but this is very important content. So please optimize it so we can use it and gain more review, or gain more viewers, gain more visitors. But uh, I think that if you want to measure something you need to see what happens when people land on the page so you need to get more insights in your analytics and data are they clicking on the right spot where you want them to click is the visit directly connected to a sale is it uh, connected to a positive impact on your customer so it sounds like uh, tim you're a little bit more in the well vanity metrics are not that important um kind of camp which which is fine and always i always appreciate when there's not 100 percent agreement i do think uh the numbers matter it's a numbers game right that's why people still do commercials on tv uh and and the one i've used recently is the well you may not have seen it i don't know if is there a subway in the netherlands yeah there is yeah so they got that uh five dollar foot long commercial right five dollars five dollar and like it's totally like in my mind and you know like i'm i'm pretty sure if i ever drive by a subway and i'm hungry i'm gonna get a five dollar foot long so uh the repetition does kind of matter <laughs> to an extent um so but a couple of things you mentioned that i really want to to hit home on um ownership of the website and i think the context you used it in was different pieces of the website so it's interesting right like so one person might own this piece of the website another person might own another piece another person might own another piece uh, what's the problem is there a problem with that uh, when you have multiple owners of different sections of the website how do you how do you wrangle them all together um, i don't think there's a problem with it i think it's the way you you, you orchestrate your processes and, and workflow around that part we often see large companies with those silos of product databases and there are the experts. They, they are the experts on, for example, this kind of chemical or this kind of product. So you need them. You need them to create a, a content or give input on your content. Uh, but if you create a centralized content team, and, and this is something I always like to promote after content migrations, what we see is that um, the last couple of years, I, I noticed that a lot of those online teams are basically end of chain. You don't get any say in any strategic parts of the website. You just get this content delivered, make sure it's live, make sure it's in the system, make sure, just publish it. But if you 
get it this right, this, this team full of experts on different skills on marketing, on writing that can uh, orchestrate the process around content and really get those product owners or those content owners in this case in line and make sure they're connected and, and, and know what you need, know what they can write, but also know what's the limit of their their weighing is as an owner. And I always say the, the expert is the owner of the, the content of the of the text. The, the, they, they know what it should say because they're the expert on the on the on the matter. But the online team is the product owner of the website or channel or social media because they know how it should look, they know how it should perform, they know what could be used and when content is successful so it's it's an it's a synergy that you need to create but make sure that every team knows that the other team has certain knowledge or expertise that you might not have so one thing uh, makes total sense to me and in content performance culture which i know sometimes my strategies are idealistic right like uh, in a perfect world, this is how it would work. And of course, how often do we live in a perfect world? Not that often. Look at 2020. What a mess the year has been. Um, you know, but I do encourage innovation by all. So taking the example you gave to the extreme here a little bit. But if you have the end of the ch end of the line, I think you call it end of the chain staff, right? And they just here input the content, input whatever, do whatever the strategy has been. Uh, is there, how do you get those people to uh, participate in innovation or, or is it truly unnecessary? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first, I, I think I need to, to give a little bit of context, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm based in the Netherlands. We're a pretty small country. And uh, for most Dutch companies, their audience is relatively small compared to a big company in the United States. I mean, we have 17 million inhabitants of the Netherlands. And you never get the whole 70 million as being a target audience. So we have very small groups. That means that everything needs to be perfect because we don't have the budgets that some other countries or companies might have. That means that those, those teams have already got some very specialized skills. So we have people who know the CMS from front to end, but are not developers. They are not technicians, they're not writing code, but they know where content is stored. So to have them um, being able to give their say or give their point of view on a campaign, you get valuable information. And, and they, most projects I encountered, those people are actually very happy that we tried to communicate as a, as a team rather than a, a work chain. So when a, a campaign was being mentioned, instead of telling them, okay, uh, yeah, we're performer, just place it, they were able to give feedback and say, okay, last year we did the same kind of campaign. And we still have those images and we have still got those pages and then we did this it's stored over here and this is the data we got on it and this is how it performed so in our point of view we might think so they're able to give some more insights that uh, for example a strict marketeer not even a content marketeer but just someone who needs to get his get his sales uh, numbers up get the right insights from the content team from the online uh, team that that's right there it's available and most companies don't realize that the end of chain, like I just mentioned, might be the beginning of a new one. So it's always a circle. It's it's the content life cycle that most companies try to implement, but still they need to realize that you need to use the data that you get. And the data most often is within that team on the end. Yeah, and innovation, of course, it comes from all. Um, so don't be a jerk. We did have Michael Brenner on the show talking about uh, the era of the smart jerk needs to be over. So 100% on board. 
Uh, innovation can happen from anywhere. Uh, the Netherlands are still a, a good size bigger than Iowa, Tim. Uh, Three million people in Iowa, uh, 17 million in the Netherlands. Always, always ex- Did I just lose you? I think we lost Tim. Okay, hold on a second here. Why did we just lost him? There he is. Um, so that's what happens when you go live. A uh, quick reminder, if you want to figure out how to go live, I did have a show on that a little bit ago here. I used Restream and Switcher Studio to push it to three channels, Periscope, Twitter. Uh, that's really one channel, quite frankly, uh, YouTube and LinkedIn. And then, of course, it goes on the podcast channels as well. Uh, Tim, nobody ever has the right amount of budget, I think. I mean, everybody, even when I have a huge budget, I still could always use more, right? <laughs> So no no disagreement there ever. Uh, talk about, you mentioned earlier, you talked about uh, content migration happens by hand. And what's interesting about that comment, I know I think I know what you mean, uh, if you can dive into that a little bit more. Um, but I'm a big fan of technology, uh, drip campaigns, you know, uh, the fun story, if I can share it quickly. I one time, I, I turned off my fitness blog and my technology blog and I imported some posts into my AuthenticStorytelling.net blog um, automatically. So I didn't do anything by hand, which was uh, the first mistake. And the second mistake happened when 94 articles were imported. And everybody, I don't know, a thousand people who had signed up for immediate notification of new articles at the time, all got 94 emails immediately right? Because um, I, that was my second mistake. Some people email and they said, hey, I think you got uh, hacked or something. Um, but I am a fan of automation. I am a fan of where I can automate things. Uh, but I can also see how it's still, you have to do it by hand. Like I take podcasts, like this podcast, I'm probably going to take this, write an article from it. I got to do that by hand, right? There's no machine that can do that for me quite yet. Uh, I still have to optimize it. I still have to see what other content can I use. So so how far are we away? Like, first of all, so two questions. First of all, why is it still being done by hand? And what are the advantages of that? So I guess that's three questions. And is there anything that at some point can be automated? Or how does that look? What's your vision for the future? And let's start with your last question, because that's the most interesting part. Um, as, as I see different companies going headless with their uh, CMS, so they, they've taken a headless approach on their DXP or CMS. I noticed that they are granulating their content. They're creating small size content parts that are reusable. I think that when you have that in place, you can uh, you can migrate automatically because you do all of these little snippets and the only thing you have to do is create a new page by reusing everything. And because every small particle has been um, uh, has this extra layer of information by micro metadata or metadata by, uh, for example, this, this can be used for this, this, and this. You have this extra information, it's set in place, we can automatically migrate it and the new DXP will create a new page. However, most websites that we migrate are often five years old or older and those tend to have this big database of content created by different people. And, and I think that's the, the, the biggest part is that different people write stuff, different people have their point of view. And, and maybe six, seven years ago, when we got this new platform, everybody was following the rules. 
everybody was in, in for example a press release title intro piece main body footer and then someone comes and say okay i need another i need an image in there i'm just gonna use html css and i'm gonna place this image in there myself and it's just one of uh, 50 articles for example but over the years you get a lot of articles you get a lot of templates that are being altered people stuffing extra content in there that doesn't quite fit so for automatic content migration you need to map those fields so automatic content migration is basically ripping it out of the database mapping it onto the new fields placing it but if there's content there if there's custom created pages if there's content that doesn't quite fit in the in the components that were being used then those pages are going to look like something happened there they're, they're, they're not broken links broken images so um, even with automatic content migration we always see that we still need to check everything by human eyes to see if it's if it's correct and and in that way i, I always give this rule by by numbers if you have 400 pages of the same template then it might be uh, eligible for an automatic migration um, but we see that those 400 pages are never 400 pages in the exact same template. And that's the problem. That's why you still need to do it by hand. That's by hand and, and why people need to look at it. But I do think that with the coming like uh, with software like Gather Content or, or, or tools that are like Contly or, or Story Chief that are able to capture the workflow of creating content and implement it immediately into the CMS or DXP in a way that it should do that, I think that will make automatic migration more and more common. So we're on the road there. I, I think we're maybe 70-30 right now. And I think in one, two years, it might be 50-50 or even less, which is uh, something that's a shame for me because I like manual migrations and the project around it and managing the people and, and the timelines. But um, yeah, that's 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 the biggest problem still it's it's an, a problem that's being created by men over time and we need to solve it by ourselves uh, there are tools upcoming there's ai coming up and i think we're not far away for automatic migration for everything but it, right now it's still basically fixing errors that were being made in the previous time and of course even when we're totally automatic as you mentioned somebody still has to supervise it i mean I, I, there's some days that's literally all I think I do. I'm looking at, is the automation working correctly? Are people responding correctly? Am I seeing mistakes? Am I seeing errors? And uh, certainly that can happen in automation as well. Uh, I am a big fan, Tim, of atomizing content. I do think, I also think we have a, a little bit, a uh, little ways to go. I don't know if that's going to be one to two years. Uh, we talked about it 10 years ago. And some of the, the content creators especially were, uh, I mean, pushing back, right? I mean, I, I'm writing. This is how I'm writing. Why do I need another box? Um, and I kind of hear that to an extent. Um, but where do you put the headline today? The headline goes into a box. These are just more boxes, right? Like, I mean, don't let's not overcomplicate it. Um, but for anybody developing the technology, make sure you create technology that works well. Uh, and I think some of the technology I've seen out there, it's just, uh, it, it's a pain and, uh, I, I'm a WordPress fan, a WordPress guy, and Gutenberg or Guttenberg or whatever it is, uh, it wasn't that great when it first came out. And I think it's improved, but it still doesn't work that well on mobile, for example. And I know it's going to get better, but and I don't know if that's even their goal, to atomize content. That's why they're doing it. I hope it will do that at some point. 
Um, but the technology needs to be there uh, for content creators. Um, Tim, always great to have experts on like you. I certainly learned a lot. Thank you for your insights. Um, remind people, where, where can they find you? How can they connect with you? On the live stream, we did post a link to his LinkedIn, um, but any, anywhere else, uh, how, how do people find you? Um, only on LinkedIn right now. I'm not very active online myself. That's, that's a big problem. I need to change that, I think. Uh, but right now it's just Tim Hanser on LinkedIn, uh, working for Crossface. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all your insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I, I love to do this again if we had got another subject that you might be interested in. You always send them over, always interested in learning new things and sharing um, all this expertise we can find around the globe. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time, really appreciate everyone turning in.